Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello my money saving comrades, my name's Graham Clark and I'm excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This is a podcast made by the Money Steppers Savings Community for the Money Stepper Savings Community. It's designed to help us all achieve the goals that we've set for the 2015 Savings Challenge and make that journey to financial freedom much more friendly and enjoyable. Are you ready? Let's get going. Ahoy there, my little money-saving mateys, and welcome back to the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. We're rolling on nicely now, we're up to episode 8, and today we have an interview for you. An interview with one of the participants in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, Chad Vorter. He is the founder of the excellent site Early Retirement Ahead. And he's here today to talk to us about his goals that he set in the challenge, his progress throughout January, and just to answer any other questions that I decide to ask of him. So today's episode is called Early Retirement Ahead. You'll find the show notes at moneystepper.com forward slash early retirement ahead, or one word. The running order, as we spoke about last week, is going to be a little bit more structured, so we're going to start with a quote. Uh, After that, we'll go into the bulk of the interview with Chad. And then finally, we'll finish up with a good piece of financial advice, uh, an article that I've seen in the news this week, and equally a very bad piece of financial advice we've seen, an absolute horror show. So today is the 5th, or maybe the 6th, or 7th or 8th, depending on when you're listening, of February. But this means that January is over. The first month of the 12 months of the Money Stepper Savings Challenge for 2015 has finished. How did you all get on? It seems so far from the submissions that I've received that everyone has started nicely. I'm personally myself a little bit behind my goals, but we'll speak about that in a later podcast. That's to do with the timing of my income, because I'm currently working freelance. But for everyone else who submitted so far, and to date that's around about 30 to 40% of people in in the challenge, everyone seems to have started off well. Which brings us nicely to our quote. And our quote is all about how you start and how you move on. It's a quote from a gentleman called Jim Ryan. Now, Jim Ryan was an athlete. He was the first high school student to run a four-minute mile. 
He was also a silver medalist in the 1500 metres in the 1968 Olympic Games. He was a member of the US House of Representatives in the late 90s and throughout the noughties. Um, So he's a man who's been around a little. And he said, great quote, motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. Now, it's clear that you all have the motivation that gets you started because you're all motivated to join the Money Stepper Savings Challenge or you wouldn't have done it. And that's what got you started this year working towards the goals for 2015 and hopefully onwards for the rest of your financial future. Once that flame of motivation extinguishes somewhat, it's the habit that keeps you going. So what we're trying to do here is trying to build a habit of documenting our financial journey Uh, concentrating on our financial position and making positive changes to lead towards a better financial future. And one of those habits is submitting your results every month. And that brings us nicely to the fact that generally the deadline, very soft deadline, but a deadline we like to set for people submitting their goals is the 5th of February for the month of January. And so on the 5th of March for the month of February and the 5th of every month thereon. If you haven't already, it'd be great if you could head on over to moneystepper.com forward slash submit hyphen your hyphen results. Obviously, the hyphens are actual hyphens rather than the word hyphen. Um, Or if you just have a look on the website, it's very easy to navigate to the page where you submit your results. And you can just let me know how you got on so that in about three or four days, maybe a week or so, we can pull together a nice post summarising how everyone's getting on, what common challenge everyone's facing and hopefully we can build a nice bit of discussion around that great so let's not mess around without any further ado let's uh, crack on and have a chat with vort i actually uh, sent an email to him by accident calling him vort um a few weeks ago a few months ago and it turns out he's okay with that it was his nickname i actually made an error i thought it was his first name I thought it was a funny first name and we had a bit of a discussion over how vort is it spelt like uh thought or is it spelt like pout, vault? Uh, but it turns out it is Vort. It's Ch- Chad Vorter, I think. <laughs> and um, we can speak to him about a, a number of things, about his current financial position, his January results against his goals. Um, we get on to the topic of solar panel installation, all other kinds of things. So uh, here we go. Here's our interview with Chad. <laughs> Great, so today I'm joined on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast by Chad Vorter from Early Retirement Ahead. Hey, Chad. Hi, thanks for having me. That's our pleasure. Um, Thanks for being part of the Money Stepper Savings Challenge community. It's great to have you involved. Um, Today, we're inviting you on the podcast. Um, If you could just let us know something about yourself. So who are you? Where, Where do you come from? What site do you run if you own a site? And if you do, why did you start that site? Sure. Um, I'm actually a uh, Kansas-born Midwesterner, and uh, I moved to California about five years ago. And what I've really – I've been in finance pretty much my whole career, and currently I'm a chief financial officer for some nonprofit health clinics. I started Early Retirement Ahead about six or seven months ago as more of a creative outlet for me. The goal was to kind of put my thoughts out there. I, I teach financial acumen classes and uh, I've helped people with their credit and, and budgeting, even investment uh, 
amateur investment advice for quite some time. Okay. And uh, just thought it'd be good to kind of put some down some of that stuff out there and and let people be able to read it. And um, you know, I enjoy the writing process, so it's been it's been fun so far. That's a great idea. So kind of moving what you're doing in real life onto online and and jotting down those ideas. Yeah, pretty much. That's great. And you, you use this site as a, um, as a tool for accountability as well. So you, you kind of put your monthly updates on there of how you're doing for your, well, against these goals, I suppose, but also just generally for your own finance. Yeah, I've, try, I've tried to do that. It, you know, one of the big things with uh, personal finance bloggers is how much to share and how much not to. And I'm still, still kind of figuring that out for myself. But uh, at least putting things out there like, you know, what I'm trying to do with, with savings and investments and uh, writing about travel points, uh, rewards, that kind of stuff. Really, at this point, whatever comes to mind for me. Okay. Well, if I'm too intrusive with any of my questions into your, <laughs> into your personal finances, just, just tell me where to go today. <laughs> sure. Great. So um, why did you uh, join the Money Stepper Savings Challenge? How did you find out about it? And, and why were you compelled to, to join the community we've got going on here? Well, I think the, the biggest reason I joined was that uh, – it was a good outlet to kind of have some networking around what I'm doing. Not a lot of people in in my personal life know that I'm working towards early retirement. You know, you share it with some people and, and others don't get it. So you have to be careful sometimes talking about it. And so I, I thought it'd be a good way to bounce ideas back and forth. And of course, the, the challenge and the competition I thought would, would keep me motivated. So, it, it, you know, it seemed like a good idea to, to take a shot and, and, and see how it would go, and I've already seen the couple of people in my group F, which we're, we've renamed Group Freedom. Uh, <laughs> Love it, very nice. And, which actually wasn't my idea, but uh, I, I saw that uh, Mrs. Maroon had already named it that, and I uh, thought that was was neat. And that all all of us are working towards you know our financial freedom. So uh, you know I've already kind of seen the the benefit of the community in barely a month. That's excellent. I think we'll have to lay down the challenge for other people to rename their groups as we go through. I think I'll update this website there. So if we've got group A, B, C, D, E, Freedom, G, I think other people might get a little bit jealous, so they might set their own names. That's great. Um, And I think that's that's a driver for a lot of people who have joined the challenge, is the idea of of networking, because sometimes in your day-to-day life, the people around you, the people that are closest to you, like you say, some people don't get it or some people just aren't, aren't interested. So to be able to find people who are kind of a kindred spirit and who are, who are driving towards those same goals, yeah, it's a really, it's a really big thing. So I'm glad you, you're kind of experiencing that as well as well as I am from, from my side. Superb. So um, what are your, your goals that you've set for 2015? Well, I, I set, uh, I think, one realistic and one stretch goal. I, I put in a 30% increase for my net worth and a 65% increase for my savings rate, or a 65% savings, savings rate. rate. And uh, I think the savings rate is going to be harder for me to achieve just because with two little kids, uh, lots of things can come up and, you know, hopefully not a third kid, but, you know, <laughs> there's a possibility uh, that that can really wreck your savings rate quickly, so... I think a 65% savings rate is is fairly ambitious for anyone, so very impressive stuff. Um, and is that something that you um, have achieved in the past, the 65%, or is that a kind of a, you say it's a stretch goal, is that a big jump from what you were seeing in 2014? I think the the net worth is pretty similar for, to last year. The savings rate's a, a little more aggressive. 
Uh, in the past, I hadn't really tracked it as directly. I'd kind of set more rates, uh, more goals around specific things like max out the my 403B or increase the college savings account. So I hadn't done more of a macro level goal. Right. But I, I tried to look at around what I achieved last year, and, and it was in the low 60s. So I, I tried to push and, and push it up a little bit. That's excellent. Um, and it's good to have those other little goals at the same time, those more specific short-term goals to invest in in a certain retirement account or a certain savings account. Um, so I hope everyone in the challenge is still keeping those goals. And as we mentioned in the goals episode, that just helped build towards these larger goals, as you say, these macro goals of, of net worth and savings rate. Um, so what's your focus for the challenge in 2015? To be able to get to that savings rate, are you looking to cut back on expenditure? Are you looking to be um, a little bit more careful with your investments to improve that, that your savings there? Or is it just a case of allocating your income more appropriately to savings? What is it you're focusing on? I think it's a, a lot of, of all of those. But for the main part, uh, my first immediate goal is getting rid of the last little bit of my wife's student loans. She's quite a bit younger than me and, and, and finished her schooling uh, later. So my, mine have been gone for a long time, but just I'm excited to, to make that last payment and for us to go out to dinner and celebrate. So <laughs> those should be done as soon as we get our tax refund. After that, it's kind of a mix of really maximizing investments, trying to keep expenses at the level they're at. And then I have to start paying off a 0% solar loan I did to uh, get my solar installation sooner than I planned. And the the last goal is really to not drive my wife crazy with expense review questions um, <laughs> because the, that that I, I tend to question everything we're doing and, and uh, I need to make sure I, I balance that with uh, her expectations. So for, for a very wise man. I think that not sending your wife crazy is probably quite a good goal for everyone to have who's married. Um, you mentioned the solely. That's quite an interesting point. Um, that seems to be something that, that people in the personal finance world and beyond are investing in. Um, I think investing is the key word there rather than just buying. Um, could you give a little bit of a detail on, on kind of why you, you've gone with the solar program and why the loan was the right, right thing for you to do? Sure. I'd actually been looking at solar for uh, probably the better part of a year. I'm in a really good spot in California that gets a lot of sun for a, a long period of time, not a lot of rain. <laughs> Are so, there bad spots in California for sun? Uh, well, n- <laughs> not really. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Even though a lot of the, the state rebates are gone, the the uh, prices have come down so dramatically in the last couple of years that the calculation just keeps getting friendlier and friendlier in terms of payback and, and return. So I found a company that's that's been a roofer for a long time and, and just offered me an incredible deal. Uh, I jumped on it, had it installed and up and going in less than three weeks wow. and uh, have been very happy with it. It's uh, Right now, I've, I'm even in the wintertime – the power company actually owes me money, and uh, I, I chose to add a few extra panels than what I really needed just to make sure that as my kids get bigger and as our energy needs change that we, we'll still have our bill completely covered. Yeah. But at this point, I feel like I'll have my, my uh, uh, payback in less than five years, and it's uh, – I, I wrote an article about it where I treat it as a dividend-paying stock. It's, it's, it's peeling off a 14% dividend for me each year, and that's just going to grow because the power companies constantly are trying to increase rates. Yeah, it's a great return. 
it's a good place to be as well. It's not many people can say that the energy companies owe them money, so that's right. That's certainly an excellent thing. And I think you're right that the 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 prices, energy prices, just tend to go up, don't they? We've seen recently the oil price has fallen by fifty percent. I'm not sure what um, it's done to the energy prices in the US, but I know in the UK um, that they've they've there's been a small drop, maybe three to five percent based on a 50% decline, but I'm pretty sure when oil prices go up 50%, the energy prices follow suit. So, Exactly. They, they tend to go up faster than they come down. But we, I definitely have seen a, a decrease at the gas pump, uh, both when we were on vacation over uh, our winter break and, and recently. So um, I, I think that's been a good thing, although I doubt people are saving and, and pocketing that, that extra money. No, it's just <laughs> extra money to spend on the shops, I guess, for a, for a lot of people. So... Um, Chad, what do you think your biggest obstacle is in 2015 to achieving those goals that you've set? Uh, I think the biggest one for me is really unexpected expenses. Um, the potential for us to do an, either an extending or, or an unplanned vacation. I, I really planned for our big one we're taking next month to Hawaii and, and already had that one all saved up for. It's pretty much paid off or we're using points for pieces of it. But at some point later in the year, we may feel like we need to reward ourselves for our achievements. And, you know, if I, if I can't use points, there may be some expenses there. And just, you know, with the, with the kids, you never know. I hope we're not going to rent ponies and bounce houses for their birthdays. But, uh, you know, it's, sometimes you get a little carried away with that stuff. So it's really trying to rein ourselves in on that and, and get good value for, for the money we spend. Yeah, it's it's tough sometimes, isn't it? Keeping to a keeping to a planned budget when you're talking about things that you enjoy, holidays and and the kids' parties and such. But yeah, it's it's an important thing to do to to make sure we don't veer away too much from our from our planned expenditure is to have a budget for those kind of things. And if if you know we feel towards the end of the year we really do need to take a vacation, then then set a new budget for that and understand what that will do to our net worth and to our savings rate for the year. Yeah, you really have to plan in some some fun money for both you and your spouse. And if people you don't get the buy-in from your spouse on it, then you're not going to make it. And if you aren't realistic about how much you need to spend on your on your hobbies and the things you enjoy, then you're not going to make it. So I think we probably give ourselves maybe a little bit too much, but um, at, at least we know that we're going to meet the goals we set because we we didn't under budget in that area. No, that's really good. Um, that brings me back to something said earlier around um, paying off the last of your wife's student loan and the, the fact that you plan to celebrate that afterwards. I think that's a great, a great thing that um, that you have this fun money built in and and that there's this idea of celebrating certain achievements and certain goals because if not, it really becomes quite a quite a long chore, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Right, so. Um, so this this is a question I asked uh, Ryan and Robbie when they were both on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, and it might not be something everyone has, but I'd just like to ask you if you have one. It's the idea of of this financial dream. So what in the long term um, we're striving towards, and for me, I've got an image in my head, and it's uh, I've said it before on the podcast, but it's it's enjoying great steak, it's drinking f- lovely wine with my friends and family because I've retired early and I'm sitting on a lovely balcony of my home in the south of France. It's nice and sunny. I've probably got those solar panels installed because of the sun. Um, right. And I have th- this this long term financial goal. And having this image in my head really helps me in the short term and it really helps me uh, think about unnecessary expenditure or, or anything that I'm doing that I might not necessarily 
uh, 100% want to do in the short term, but I know it's helping me in, my, in the long term. Do you have anything similar? Do you have a, a financial dream? I was thinking of buying the house next door to you because that sounds like a pretty good uh, plan. <laughs> uh, for, for me, I think uh, ideally it's, it's having time for me to, to sit back and watch the markets. And I just enjoy you know, reading up on what's going on in finance and then being able to coach my kids' basketball teams and do some slow travel with the wife and the kids. Um, one of the blogs I read is uh, The Root of Good, and I, Justin was posting about his week, week or two long trip that he took, and it was just really neat to see that he had the ability to do that because he didn't have to worry about vacation time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it was all vacation time for him. And I think the, the other part of that list, and this may not work out as I planned, but is you know, getting to play more golf. Uh, which I just don't get to with the kids right now, but it would be nice to be able to play golf while they're at school and then go pick them up and, and spend time with them. I'm not the best golfer myself, so that sounds like punishment for me. But <laughs> um, it's Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The vacation time, it, it's all around freedom, isn't it, to decide what you want to do yourself and having the financial backing to allow you to have that freedom. Um, so I think that's a great idea if you can picture yourself um, – making that last putt every uh, uh three times a week or however often you actually want to play golf then yeah that's that's certainly something that that might help you you know move on from the position you are in at the minute um okay so we're recording this on the 5th of february um we'll, we'll release it fairly soon afterwards which means we've just come to the end of january and everyone in the challenge will be submitting their goals um and sorry, we'll be submitting their progress against their goals on the website. How have you done, Chad? How have you got on in January? I would say I had a uh, good but not great start to the challenge. I had about a just under a 2% increase in net worth for the month and achieved a 63% savings rate. I did have a couple of old medical expenses that popped up, you know, with, with anything related to healthcare six or eight months later people are still billing you. So that that's eternally frustrating. Mm. And uh, also uh, pay, paid a registration on my car a little earlier than I planned. But, uh, you know, despite those, I, I still think we made pretty good progress and, and planned uh, February and March to, to really make some significant gains. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive into those a little bit. So you say around 2% growth in your net worth. So your annual goals being 30% would make it pro rata for January to be about 2.7%. Um, I think that math is right. I've just done that in my head. I hope it's right. Uh, so I guess that's that's pretty much on course because although you're slightly, from a pro rata perspective, slightly behind, it tends to be with the net worth, with the impact, the effect of compounding that that kind of grows throughout the year. So that's great. How did you... Um, a few people when they've, when they've sent in their submissions and their comments, especially from the US, have, have kind of cited... Uh, falling stock prices. I think the S and P five hundred fell by maybe three and a half, four percent in January. Um, did you suffer that as well? Did you did you suffer that in your calculations? No, I, I didn't really see much of a decrease on my asset side. Maybe that's because I was pumping a lot of money into those accounts that that offsets some of the decreases. Um, I'm I'm really overweight Apple, so okay, <laughs> uh, as they go, so so my retirement account goes, and that that's a uh, anti-diversification message, I guess, right there. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes in the short term that works, isn't it? So I think yeah. Apple released uh, their best, the, the world record ever results, I think, for quarterly profit in in January. So I guess that's helped with uh, 
with your portfolio there? I, I definitely get a little nervous the day they announce results to see what, what's going to happen and how the market's going to react. Um, re- really, where I, where I saw the gains on this side was um, reducing liabilities, and that was pay, paying off some debt. And so I think because the market kind of stagnated, I saw m- more on that side and, and hope in future months it'll be a little, little more balanced. Yeah. And so the paying down of the debt that you've been focusing on, your that's focused on your wife's student loans, is it, at the minute? Yes, and we should have those paid off as soon as we get our uh, taxes completed and get our refunds. We can make the last payment and, like I said, go out and to dinner and celebrate. Um, when when do you expect those tax refunds? Is that coming through in the next few months? Uh, I hope to file my taxes this weekend. I'm sort of an early bird on that. And with a, a large solar credit pending for that install, the, my refund is, is more than it would typically be. So. Um, I, I hope that would actually put me on pace to get it before the end of February so I can get an early lead on Group Freedom. Oh, great. <laughs> That's a nice little competitive edge coming out there in Group Freedom. I like that. Okay, super. Um, and then your savings rate, 63%. Your goal, 65%. So pretty much on course there as well. So That's excellent. Um, okay, some other questions. These are the kind of questions we ask everyone who comes on the on the podcast. So... First one is, what's the best piece of financial advice that you've either uh, seen, heard, you've read about, someone's told you about over the past few months? That, that, that's an interesting question, and uh, I had to think about it for a while. But everything I've seen recently on the major media outlets are, are scare tactic headlines and not a lot of content to back it up. You know, it, they're depressing. It says no one saves and, and everyone's going to have to work till they're 70 and Social Security is going away. Just all these bad things. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And then when I go out and read personal finance blogs uh, of varying types, you know, I, get, I read some that are get out of debt and I read Dividend Mantra, who's building a you know, dividend portfolio. Um, and when you read these different personal finance blogs, they're all about planning for the future and inspiration and, and overcoming challenges. They're not about making excuses. So... To me, the the best thing I've uh, financial advice I've read is is really ignoring everything that's that's coming out f- from anything that's not uh, somebody you know sitting at their computer blogging. Great idea. Some people might argue that, that gives you too much of a narrow focus, but I think it's it's a really good thing to have a narrow focus on the people who are who are being ambitious and being positive and who are really concentrating on improving their long term their long term financial position. Whereas, as you say, in the in these in the mainstream media, and this is one of the reasons I personally set up Money Stepper, was my frustration with this is it's all short term. It's, it's all sensational headlines. Um, you know, you see they report on house prices going down in one month, and they say the 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 sky's falling. They give those kinds of of extreme headlines, and that's a great piece of advice to focus on on the information coming out from these personal finance bloggers because they're the ones in the trenches and they're the ones who you know are experienced this stuff and really trying and you can you can get a lot of inspiration from that fantastic um so on that on that point i guess if you're reading a lot of those which other resources um other blogs uh, other websites but equally anything kind of apps or tv programs anything really any resource that you'd recommend to others in the challenge uh, I, I've already mentioned a few of the sites I look at. Uh, one of the things I definitely spend a lot of time on is reading and posting on the Mr. Money Mustache message boards. I think there's just a lot of, I don't know if tough love is the right word, but pe- people don't hold back on their opinions. And, and I think that's good because 
every, everyone's there is trying to learn and get better. Um, I do spend a lot of time watching the, the stocks that I have uh, a stake in, you know, more so than worrying about my index funds and that kind of thing. But uh, uh, budgets are sexy is, is one site that I like uh, mostly because Jay Money has his list of uh, net worths and, and you, like I just mentioned about the financial advice, you see everybody's increasing theirs by hard work and determination and making changes. I don't see them going backwards when I see Yahoo Finance articles that say that, you know, the sky's falling and the markets are going to tank. So yeah. if everybody manages to keep improving and, and keep getting better in, in those times, then I think it shows that any of us can do it. There's two really good things on um, Budgets Are Sexy for Inspiration. There's this, there's that, which is the net worth and tied to that as well. I don't know if you've seen the Million Dollar Club where there's um, a list of people who have, have specifically submitted um, their desire to, to be millionaires. And so they're all striving towards the same goal there. And, and kind of you can, you can click through to each person's uh, progress and see how they're getting on in their, in their journey to join this Million Dollar Club. That's quite interesting. Yeah, but both both items interest me, but I'm a little afraid to uh, to put it all out there right now. So I'm still I'm still working up the courage to be that or have that much transparency. Yeah, I I don't know personally if it's a good thing or a bad thing on Money Stepper. I don't publish my exact net worth and all that kind of things for security reasons, perhaps. Um, but I think that's that's why we designed the challenge, the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, as we have because. You can have uh, any net worth, any information. All we look at is your percentage increase in your net worth on the savings rate. So hopefully that, whilst giving quite a lot of transparency in how you're kind of tackling your personal finances, it doesn't give too much information away on what they actually are. Oh, I think that was one of the things that's, that would increase the participation rate is because people uh, don't feel like they're – if you're competing against someone that's already a millionaire, it, w- it wouldn't motivate you much. But uh, the fact everyone's looking at percentages and, and grouped the way they are, I think, is, is really helpful. Superb. Okay. Um, I've got two more questions here um, for you, Chad, because last time on the podcast we had two guests, Ryan uh, from Debt Free Hustle and Robbie from Mr. Captain Cash. And each week we kind of roll forward the question. So we have the new guest answer the question from the previous episode. So Ryan's first question was, how do you break bad financial habits? Um, is, that, is that question was, what tips do you have to help break bad financial habits? For example, credit card use, living behind, beyond your means, etc. Do you have any advice there for Ryan? Uh, for, for me, the biggest thing, uh, whether you're trying to do it cold turkey or just make changes over time, is if you don't set the real, a realistic goal, you don't, you're not going to last long. You won't have a chance. And sometimes people overshoot and and try to make such a massive change that it's just not possible. So I almost want to say baby steps are, are important. But I think really getting something that you can hold yourself accountable to is is, is really key. Yeah. Um, we had a comment on the on the post we made last last time about um, about accountability. Uh, it came from Mr. Zombie, um, and he suggests that about the small steps. He says, to stop bad habits, it's no use going cold turkey. If you know that's going to break or revert to your old habits, take it slow. Uh, if you like a challenge, you could go for it, but just make sure you always hold yourself accountable. So I think that kind of agrees with what you're saying there, Chad. 
Um, and Robbie's question, Robbie's question was, have you got any good tips to reduce household expenditure and related expenses? So insurance and groceries, he two he mentioned as examples. I guess one that you've we've already mentioned is is your solar and how that the impact that's having with the energy prices. And is there anything else outside of your solar installation which you could recommend to Robbie? Well, I, I would say on, on groceries, I'm definitely not a good example. We, we really struggle with our food costs. Um, we don't buy a lot of prepackaged foods, but we do buy a, just a lot. <laughs> so uh, we're still working on that. Uh, I do have a, a pretty stressful job, so I, I sometimes go out to eat for lunches, and, and that pushes our costs up too. And so I'm working on taking my lunch more often. Mm. Um, I think the, the, the piece of advice I might be able to actually give a good example of is – uh, I, I recently kind of weaned myself off Amazon and realized I was jumping on there and buying things kind of because it was really easy. It's way too easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to go through a couple other steps or a thought process of, of how I could either fix something or find another way to do it. Um, and what I, I was very proud of, of something that happened recently. Well, I wasn't proud of that, the fact that it happened, but, but how I resolved it. My, my nice, uh, upright washer broke and at first i was like well i mean we should just call someone but then i thought i'd actually try to figure out what was wrong with it jumped online found the user guide saw how to put it in test mode i was able to figure out what error it was giving did a did some web research again and found out that it was a less than 20 dollar part that i needed and was able to get that and a couple days later when i when i um got it in um was able to take the pieces apart, put it in, and the washer works like a dream. And I estimate instead of $20, it probably would have cost 150 to 200 to have someone come out, wow. spend the time, analyze it, and, and fix it. So um, I'm impressed. Handy man, Chad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not my MO. I usually – I could take apart a computer but not a, dish, not a dishwasher or a clothes washer. So it was a – um, it kind of motivated me to try that again in the future. So went out on Amazon this week after my wife dropped her iPhone and bought a repair kit to to fix the screen myself for about $50. I think it costs around 150 to take it into Apple. So I was so motivated by fixing the washer that I thought I'd try it with the phone as well. And uh, I actually have it sitting in front of me and haven't tried it yet. But uh, I hope that will uh, work as well. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, that's impressive. That's something you don't really see uh, many CFOs doing, getting their hands dirty in, a, in the washing machine. I've been working in the finance industry myself for a few years, and I know how useless I am, and my colleagues intend to be with those kind of hands-on jobs. So right. It's much stuff. easier to, for us to fix spreadsheets than uh, household appliances. Indeed. <laughs> Great. Um, right, so let's, let's roll forward that question then. Um, what what question have you got for the audience, Chad? So everyone who reads who reads the site, everyone who's in the challenge will see the question, and hopefully they'll leave some comments. And equally, the next person that we'll have on the podcast will answer it. So, uh, is there a question you've got for the Money Stepper Savings Challenge community? Yeah, and it actually goes back to the uh, fun money topic we discussed earlier. It, it's how do you keep motivated to save, but not reward yourself too often to to still be a saver versus a consumer, and additionally. How is that impacted by your by your spouse or significant other? Because you know not everyone views money the same. Yeah, that's a great question. Really good. Um, so it's kind of how to find that balance between the two, between rewarding yourself and going towards saving. Because 
yeah, I know for me in the long term, if I put everything towards saving and I don't spend anything on enjoying myself, then I'll probably have a blowout in one month or a certain other month, which is unbudgeted. So it's not a healthy way uh, to approach things. Um, and definitely a good point about the spouse or partner or significant other there. Great. So to see that question, just head on over to the show notes this episode, which will be at moneystepper.com forward slash early retirement ahead, the name of Chad's site. Um, and thanks so much, Chad. It's been a pleasure having you today. Thank you for for all the ideas and for just being part of the community and specifically for being part of Group Freedom. <laughs> Thank you for having me and I uh, appreciate you getting up so early to uh, call back a day behind to talk to me. Yeah, it's been very confusing this morning when we've been setting this up. Um, I'm currently in Montpellier in France uh, and so the call here was at 5.30am which was a completely different day in California. It was still only 8.30pm your time when we started. That's correct. Yeah, so uh, kind of struggled to get a head round. Good morning, good evening, and uh, how did, what did you get up to today? What are you doing today? <laughs> but we got there in the end. Lovely. Okay, well, thanks very much, Chad. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Good stuff. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Chad. I know I did. Um, I think we got talking about some really interesting points with him, uh, particularly interested about the solar panels there. As we said in the interview here in Montpellier, it would probably be quite a good idea. I'm sure there'd be a good return on investment as they are in California. Uh, not so convinced uh, where I live up in the north of England, whether it'd be uh, as quick a payback period. But with falling prices, uh, you never know, they might be a viable option. So certainly something everyone could look into. Um, and he seems to be doing pretty well with his results so far. His savings rate is about there, and you know, pro rata, we say that for each month, but actually people's net worth will tend to go up uh, as a percentage from a starting point higher in the later months than, than in the earlier months uh, due to the effect of compounding. So he's, he's right on track. Um, so well done to Chad, and well done to all of you who are also plodding along nicely after the first month. Well done. Now, let's have a look at the good news article of the week. And this good news article of the week is from the mainstream media, which is strange to me. I don't usually like any articles from the mainstream media. I don't like uh, short-termism of of the articles, as we said in the interview with with Chad. But this one is from Time magazine, so time.com forward slash money. It's an article titled How to Save More for Retirement Without Saving an Extra Cent. And it talks about how you know people save a lot of money, they cut back on as many things as they can. Um, but there's an idea about how you can save money in your pension, but also actually save money just through any kind of investing you make. And it's looking at your f- investment fees. Now we make a big point on Money Stepper about how we support passive investing rather than active investing. Um, and investment fees is one of the main reasons for that. And this looks at an example. It says, say you're 35 years old and you earn 50 grand a year. You receive annual 2% raises and you contribute 10% of your salary to a retirement account. And that money in your retirement account will earn 7% returns a year. So a fairly realistic situation. It says, if your annual expenses were 1.5% in that retirement account, by the time you're 65, your total will be 465000 
Now it says, what about if you could cut those expenses from 1.5% to 0.5%? And it's certainly achievable if you invest in the long term in low cost market tracking ETFs or index funds. And it says that if you could maintain that 7%, which is certainly achievable, then by cutting your investment fees from 1.5% to 0.5%, the total amount you'll have in your retirement account when you hit 65, 30 years later for a 35-year-old, instead of being 465,000, will actually be 550,000. So almost 100,000 more. How it looks at it is it says, well, that's the same as instead of saving 10% a year, to be able to achieve that, you'd actually have to uh, contribute 12.3% of your pay every year. So by reducing your investment fees by 1%, it's actually saving you having to contribute 2.3% more of your pay. So it's a big advantage to be able to cut those investment fees. If you want to learn more about the difference between active and passive investing and why we favour passive investing, uh, just go onto the moneystepper.com website and search for passive investment um, or just look in the stock market section. You'll see an ask on that. Uh, I think everyone should read it. Everyone who currently actively invests either through buying stocks and shares themselves or equally through um, index funds that charge quite high investment fees. I'm not saying... Everyone should invest in the same way, but it's certainly important to consider these low-fee index funds and ETFs as part of your investment strategy. Now time for the bad piece of advice of the week. Well, today for the bad bad article of the week, the bad piece of advice, I was torn between two separate articles. Um... One of them wasn't really an article. One was the fact that on Google today, it highlighted Twitter's announcement of their Q3 earnings tonight after hours and what impact that might have on the Twitter stock price. And it had three different articles about different recommendations from stock analysts or commentators on CNBC or any other TV finance channels. And uh, within the first three articles, they had a strong recommendation to buy Twitter before the results because they were expecting good things, um, a recommendation to wait until tomorrow, make your decision after the results, and a strong recommendation to sell Twitter because they were expecting poor results. So three articles, three completely con- contradictory pieces of advice. How anyone's supposed to make any decisions based on that, I don't know. And as we've just seen... In the good piece of advice, it's probably best anyway to stay away from this kind of short-term trading. But I've decided to go with an article that actually isn't based on investing, but rather on property prices. It's one of my favourite things to see in the media. Favourite because I kind of despise it quite a lot. And it's how the mainstream media always report every single month on what the house prices are doing in that month. Um... One month is such a short-term way to look at things from house prices that, you know, these things go in cycles of 8, 10, 15, 20 years. Yet, because the newspapers, I guess, need something to write about, they decide that every time information comes out from the house price index or from the ONS or whatever regarding this matter, they have to report on it. There's a headline from the Daily Mail today, and it says, House price growth bounces back in January as homes gain another £3,800 in one month alone. 
Now, the detail of the article throws in some figures. Wow, house prices have gone up by that £3,800. It's the highest increase in a month since 2009, 2% increase in January. Annual house price growth has also picked up. Well, that's kind of obvious because compared to last month, if January is a very good month this year, then of course... uh, the annual year-to-date up to January compared to the annual year-to-date for December would be better. It talks about how, again, house prices in the three months of January are higher than the last three preceding three months. Again, fairly obvious. It then goes to give reasons why this might be the case. And it says it's, it's helped by recent declines in mortgage rates, which are hitting record lows, the reform of stamp duty, and... The combination of the fact that real earnings have exceeded low inflation rates. Now, you know how they can draw these conclusions that because house prices have gone up in one month, it's because of these things. And how, if you think the individual person on the street who's buying a house has suddenly gone, oh look, last month for the first time in in six years, uh, the average salary in the UK has gone above the inflation rate. I'll go and buy a house. It's just absurd. And it, it's really unhelpful reporting in, in my eyes. They actually then go on to quote uh, Martin Ellis, a housing economist, uh, who's much more sensible than the uh, author of the article. Uh, he concludes that it's too early to draw any firm conclusions. He actually goes on to say that in January, because generally there's less house, house sales in January, it's a slow month for house sales, um, People have just been busy at Christmas. They haven't been planning moving house. Uh, It's not the kind of time that families move into a new house in January. Um, People tend to prefer moving house in uh, during the spring, early summer, not in the midsummer months, but then again in the autumn. He said it's not particularly unusual. House prices can be particularly volatile in that month because of low volumes. And for instance, 2007, 2.3% increase in January. 2009, 2.4% increase in January. Uh, it's not unusual. So basically, there's a whole article, several hundred words, just to say that, you know, house prices in January have gone up by what they have done in the past. It doesn't really say anything. There's no real reasons why. It's just what's what happens in the short term. You get these fluctuations. There's a funny little comment as well on one of the paragraphs. It says, prices had started to cool off in the second half of the year as House 100 rejected ever-increasing asking prices. So suggesting that as house prices were going up, people stopped buying and so the house prices were coming down. But but now they've hit the new heights, so why are people still buying houses? It, doesn't, it wouldn't make any sense in that explanation. It's kind of an article for the sake of publishing an article. So again, don't make your financial decisions based on these articles. Don't look at day-to-day reporting in the short term of of things like house prices, of things like stock price of individual shares or even of the of the wider market um think about the long term plan for the long term invest for the long term everything you should be doing should be looking towards that longer term right then i think that'll do us for this week usual drill um five stars reviews on itunes will be gratefully received if everyone in the money stepper savings challenge could please submit their results as soon as they can for january we can get a nice summary of everyone's results 
up on the website and we can all have a nice good chat around that see how everyone else is getting on get some motivation from other people keep that all going if anyone wants to come on to the podcast in a fortnight's time to have a bit of a chat um have a look over their january results by that time you can maybe look towards february see how we're doing after two months and just get in touch it's always good to have other people on this is community where we're talking to each other so you don't have to have a site you don't have to have done podcasts before whatever just just give me a shout and we can get something set up so thanks again for listening thanks again for being part of the communities greatly appreciated and as ever keep on climbing Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.